Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Now nah, I'm playing. What up, squad? Welcome to the ADAPT session, where we have intrinsic conversations on mindset, exercise, and life's ever-changing experiences. With your hosts, Joe and... Mondo, what's up, everybody? Um, Joe is playing around too much, man. He, <laughs> much sun, not enough oxygen right now. And if you guys notice the third, the third rectangle on the bottom, or third uh, screen, I notice uh, a man with a really awesome afro. Thank you. This is my boy Johnny L, aka Dynamite. Man. Welcome to the show. What's good? What's good? What's good? Thanks for having me. Oh man, thanks for being on, man. Because and that was a page of history that'll probably stand for a long time. Must there be the 
session where we have intrinsic combos on mindset, exercise, and life's ever-changing experiences. With your hosts, Joe and Big Mondo. What's up, everybody? Um, this is a little bit of a different episode. This is going to be a little bit of a follow-up to the first Unity Understanding episode that we did with Awa. Shout out to Awa Chum. Shout out, Awa. Good looking. For appearing on the first episode, this is a, a follow-up, and we... Joe and I, Joe and I laugh at this because with everything that was happening at the time, he and I would look at each other during, during production meetings and he would, we would say, what was it? We're probably going to have to do another episode like this sooner than rather. I'm pretty sure. And here it is. It's coming. Here it is. It's right here. And who better to have on the show than our boy, Johnny L, friend of the show. Welcome back to the show. Johnny L. Lemley. What up, baby? Yeah. Oh, Johnny, I think your audio's out, big dog. We can't hear you. Oh, my goodness. Has to unmute. Is he on it? No, not yet. That's all right. Give it some time. Give it some time. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. It's a good thing you're a model, so everybody could just look at you and be like, oh, he looks nice. <laughs> Since they can't hear you talk right now. You still having the issues? Can't hear him. Cause I just seen his lips moving. I'm like, I can't hear you, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yay, there he is. There he is. He's back. What's good? My fault. <laughs> so, why don't you go back and say what you were trying to say before? Yeah. Are y'all ready for this? Oh, we're ready. <laughs> we ready. We're ready. Yeah. Here's the thing. Johnny L provided probably the funniest episode of the adapt session. And it's kind of it's kind of ironic that he's coming back and he's gonna he's gonna be talking about some very serious topics and what gets lost in that funny episode about me getting drunk and both of us partying a lot is the fact that in the beginning he brought up a lot of thought-provoking commentary. So that's one of and I've had a lot of conversations with Johnny L ever since the George Floyd stuff happened. Heck, even before that, we were in college, we talked about some stuff like this. But he would be a perfect candidate for this show. So I'm actually very happy to have you on. And I wanna get you, I wanna get your your point of view on what's going on because I know you got a lot to say. <laughs> I know you got a lot to say. I know you got a lot to um, a lot to to um, provide us as far as your views and just a lot, just something to get everybody thinking. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Man. It's, a it's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure to have you on, man. And, and, <clears throat> and something that we could talk about now is, um, so we did say that this was a follow-up on the uh, understanding and un unity understanding episode that we did back in June with Awa. And for those who listened to that, that was a pretty touchy episode. And this one, I'm 
not gonna lie, it might be the same thing. And something I want to I want to get you guys thinking about, and, and I want to ask you guys is the mindset of racism. Like, what do you guys think of when you hear mindset of racism? And what do you think when you look at the country and the and how society is at the current moment? What do you think of that when you when you think of mindset of racism? Um, well, for me, um, I wouldn't necessarily call it the mindset of racism. I would uh, kind of call it like the mindset for change because uh, racism is a heavy topic. And for a lot of people, you know, it's hard for people to identify like their internal biases and their biases of racism. Um, but I think being open-minded and having the right mindset when you talk about subjects like this uh, kind of give you that mindset for change, you know, and being able to be willing to listen and understand what things are going on in the world like today. But yeah. I agree. What about you, Jojo? What do you think? As you munch. Ah, sorry. <laughs> Finish <laughs> my snacks. But um, I have to agree with what Johnny L said. I, I was actually going to start off by saying that um, internal biases, right? On your own beliefs, your own viewpoints. Um, I heard this this interesting, um, I guess you would call a statement, quote, whatever. I forgot I forgot where I heard it from, but oh, um, John Stewart. He used to host the Daily Show, and now Trevor Noah, right? It does it, but so John Stewart said, "Your your life experience is not the experience." So goes with you know things that you've had to had to encounter or haven't encountered, and we seem to think that um, as individuals and we, and we go through our daily lives, those encounters or things that we don't encounter, that's everybody's life, right? Like, oh, my life is good, let's say, right? I don't have to deal with any problems, but let alone um, you have no idea what's going on down the street from you in another neighborhood with, some, with somebody else, right? Yeah. You don't know what kind of things they've had to go through on a daily basis, what their daily struggles are, um, whether you know they live in a specific neighborhood for specific reasons lack of resources lack of income um lack of opportunity right like you don't know you don't know what's what's going on so you happen we happen to be a little selfish in that where we think that what we're experiencing in our life is like yeah life is great everybody's life should be great right and we get a little self-centered in a sense in a bubble so that's where that internal bias comes from and we forget that people around us experience different things and have different perspectives based on that. And I just want to touch on what you're saying too, because we touched about the, we talked about this in the moral dilemma most recently, and uh, we we talked about how if it doesn't affect us, then we don't necessarily think about it as much. On point. Yeah. But when it when when it directs us effectively, it it, it directly affects us. Then it's a big a big change in our perspective because then all of a sudden we're thinking about it now and now it's like how can like then we get mad at everybody else it's like how can you be so selfish and not not think about us during this time and i think that's what i think that's something that affects the the society is that we have a we're very prejudiced 
in different ways. Not when I say prejudice, like we said before, it's not it's not necessarily has to do with racism or anything like that. It's just you have your own biases, you have your own preferences, you have your own way of life, you have your own views. It's not a one size fits all for everybody. There's literally like I don't always agree with Joe. I'm not always going to agree with Johnny L. And vice versa for them. They're not going to agree with me. Look at our hair today. Johnny L has his hair out. <laughs> Joe has a has a man bun. And I got a freaking headband on. Yeah, it fits. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where it's like not everyone has the same viewpoint. Everyone can be different. Everyone has their differences. But the thing is that we have a diff- we have a difficult time in society accepting those differences. You know, speaking on that, we definitely have a lot of differences, but deep down at the core, all people want the same things. We're, mm-hmm. we're actually very similar. Very, very, very similar. We just want like financial security. We want um, a safe home and a safe environment for our family and our kids. Yes. Uh, we, want, we want our kids, if you have children, to have the same opportunities um, and access to the same resources as anybody else so they can you know, try to improve their lives you know, generational, um, same opportunity for jobs. I mean, deep down at the core level, we all just want that freedom and security that this great country of ours has, you know, provided, or for some, a little bit lack of, but yeah, that's pretty much, you, you, go, you go around the world and that's all what people want, honestly. Yeah, I, I, yep. Go ahead, Johnny Yellow, just like, you, go, you just said the word. <laughs> Having it quality. That's what we want. That's what everybody wants. And I feel like um, in the sense of being able to understand like your entitlement and being able to uh, identify situations that you don't have to go through uh, is what mentally prepares you for change and prepares you for treating people the way that they should be. Um, it's, it's a thing that I've seen, uh, that I've heard where people are like, oh, like it's a, you're, you're entitled because uh, you, you're able to learn about racism rather than experiencing racism. Um, and it's better for people to just identify that and be acceptance of like, oh shit, like we have to like work to make a difference. We gotta do stuff to make change because this is what's going on in the world. And there's a lot of situations like Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake, George Floyd, and all these other things that are going on. Uh, and I think there was a recent one the other day where uh, I think it's Alexander Price or something like that, uh, where he was shot and killed for stopping a fight, kind of similar to the um, Jacob Blake incident. Yeah, but it's wild. (laughs) Did that one just happen? Because I I didn't hear about that one. Yeah, it happened like today, not today, uh, like a few days ago. Wow. Okay, that's fresh. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's really fresh. And 
for we didn't mention this in the beginning, but for for everyone listening out there, we're recording this on October sixth, and this is going to drop literally a week before the election. So one of the messages that we have is one vote, and two, this is something that's going on too often. So we like you, you saw that Joe and I did, weren't even aware of this happening. My and, fault. Name is uh, Jonathan Price. Price. So yeah, this is that's how fresh it is. We're still learning about it. Mm. You brought up a name that was. Oh, sorry. What's up? No, no. Go ahead, big dog. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was like, you brought up a name that that was actually next on the on the topic was actually Brianna Taylor. That was actually another reason why Joe and I knew we we're gonna have to do another episode like this because we knew that regardless of what happened, so there was a lot that was. Um, I was going to come with this situation. And then, Johnny L, can you break down what happened with the uh, with the charges? So, basically, for those of you who don't know, um, Breonna Taylor's case has been in, like, the media, sort of, not really, uh, recently. Uh, ba basically, what happened was uh, there was a no-knock warrant um, for... Uh, somebody that wasn't her and the police officers uh, entered her house and unknowingly her and her boyfriend were in bed and her boyfriend took his gun and fired a shot warning whoever intruded into their home that he has a gun and they shouldn't be there. Is that uh, legal to do? in that in that state or in that county is that is that legal that's where, what we did um. yeah where he's from it is perfectly legal to do that um he had a legal firearm so he had a license for it and where they are from he uh, it's it's legal to to protect yourself and um when i guess when they heard the fire or that they heard the gunshots they came into the room and open fire on Breonna Taylor. Um, Another so, question for you, Johnny L. When the, police, when the police went there, this is just to make everybody aware, right? That's listening, that maybe aren't aware of the details. So Breonna Taylor's boyfriend had a legal firearm registered to him, correct? Mm -hmm. And it is perfectly legal if somebody breaks into your home to fire a warning shot to let whoever's breaking into your home know, hey, I am prepared to defend myself right? Mm -hmm. Also, on top of that, the police had a no-knock warrant, so they did not make their presence known to Breonna Taylor and her boyfriend of who they were. It was just people breaking into their house that knocked down the door, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, basically, after they heard the gunshots, they came into the room and opened fire and uh, arrested the boyfriend and killed Brianna Taylor. Um, at the end, little did they know, Brianna Taylor was not the person they were looking for. Um, so as much as it was an accident, it was still a murder. And it was still planned and it was still, you know, un unlawful and unright. Um, it's still disgusting much later. It's still like, yeah. doesn't still right with me. Like, in terms of uh, the, the trial and the process of getting these uh, 
officers charged. Uh, this isn't their first time as their squad or group uh, making a mistake on a no-knock warrant. This is actually one of the second or third times of this happening. Um, the, the process that they went about going through this situation was at first they tried to uh, they tried to blame the boyfriend for everything that was happening and they put him on trial, arrested him and tried to pretend that it was his fault or get him to say that it was Brianna's fault when it really wasn't. And now um, them going through the court process, um, the police officers still haven't been charged for murder, but they've been charged for the shots that they've missed. So they've been charged for shooting um, stray bullets into uh, apartments or separate apartments rather than actually being charged for the murder of Breonna Taylor, which is, uh, in my opinion, really annoying and really- It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so what they're basically saying is the walls in the apartment are worth more than Breonna Taylor's life. Basically. I mean, they're getting in trouble for the bullets that missed that shot into other apartments. Are they talking about endangering other innocent people because uh brianna taylor was one of them yeah and yeah. so was her boyfriend she was killed in her bed while she was sleeping and she wasn't even the person they were looking for no it, even if she was the person that they were going in for a warrant for their arrest um to just open fire like that while the person's in bed is ridiculous like is that is that how you know, th this raises a question for you guys and for our audience. Is that how we want police officers to police our communities? You know, you don't have to tell me. Think about that. Um, with that being said, let me make sure that I say that uh, I've, I have a handful of clients that are police officers and they are good people, right? But when you have police officers like this that do things like this, very questionable acts, that makes other police officers uh, get a bad rap when we know that not all police officers are like that, right? Mm -hmm. So um, those are definitely not the kind of police officers I would want policing my community. Yeah. And think about it this way. Think about it as a parent. Would you want, if you're, imagine that's your kid that was, like they barged into your kid's apartment and they killed, they killed your kid right as they were sleeping. You don't want that to happen. You don't want it to happen to you, but you don't want that to happen to the future either. You don't want that. You don't want them to worry about worry even when they're in the confines of their own home. That's a that's a really scary thing if you really think about it. I think for situations like this, it's it's really important to. Uh, you know, think about everything that's going on. Think about how our um, policing and our police system works and how we can, you know, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, like remove or like virtually have the 
no policing, but, you know, in a way where it's like reformed and a way where we understand like, hey, you're a part of the community, so be a part of the community, you know what I mean? And um, in a sense where uh, Joe's like, uh, there are some good cops, like, yeah, granted, there are some good cops. And I think that's cool. Um, but, you know, there are good cops that don't do anything, you know, like, uh, let's say the George Floyd case, like the guy was on George Floyd's knee, or the, the guy was on George Floyd's neck, but the people around him were just kind of watching instead of being like, hey, like, don't you think that's going a little too far? Hey, like, I know I wouldn't do that, but you, you probably shouldn't do that either, you know? Like, I, I feel like for some people, like, yeah, like, uh, good cops exist, but uh, certain situations where they're put with bad cops, they can't be that good cop because they're going to have, you know, issues to, to deal with and people to deal with. And um, I had this situation where I was talking to one of uh, my old friends, and I say my old friends because uh, our views don't quite align, and uh, it was a very interesting conversation. <laughs> but we were talking about like policing and police reform and being able to understand what's going on. And um, this guy hit me with the, uh, you know, more colored people should just be police officers so they don't have to deal with issues like this. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> when was the last time a colored person uh, had a job under a white man that didn't have to worry about their job? Like <laughs> the last time Somebody didn't have to tiptoe, tiptoe around their boss to make sure they're doing everything right, to make sure nothing bad's happening, you know? Last time I checked, that never happened. So even if there were more colored people as cops to try to make a difference, I don't think there would really be a difference because of the people that are their employers and the people that have control, you know? So I feel like it's really a mindset thing or it's something to think about when you're talking about topics like this and learning about issues like this. And it's so, when I hear that conversation, like I'm just like, I'm still, I'm still digesting it really. And it's just like what you just said, it's just, it's crazy that some people have that thought and they think it's just that simple, but it goes back to what we, what we said just a couple of minutes ago because it doesn't affect them, they don't think, they don't think about it. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where it's kind of like Jacob Blake, like when that situation happened, like I, Jacob Blake was a really um, unfortunate situation. There's a, he notices a fight outside. He tries to break it up. He has his kids with him in the car. And the cops go after him. And when he's going to go and check by his kids, they think he's going to go for a weapon. 
so they shoot him seven times in front of his kids. I mean, thankfully he didn't die, but it's still unfortunate that he has to live the rest of his life paralyzed. They shot him in the back seven times without him even knowing. Yeah. Let me um, if I may, let me bring up a question to you guys. Okay, this is this is a. This kind of had me thinking, right? And it, and it goes back to what we said at the beginning. Um, your experience is not the experience. That also applies to us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to play, um, I'm, I'm going to play mm, devil's advocate here, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to play the bad guy, for lack of a better term, but don't, don't think about it like that. So I'm just going to go against what we were initially talking about, okay? So check this out. There are plenty of people that live in rural areas who are not of color that grow up with no money, right? They're poor. They have it pretty hard themselves, right? Um, they may feel like they don't have the same uh, opportunities also or the same uh, or, or uh, they lack resources as well due to the fact that they are poor. Um, and they don't feel that they have that... Um, I guess I'd call it, they don't feel, they don't feel that they have the, the upper hand based off of their social economic background, right? Where, where they live. They're kind of, they're kind of like us, except they're not of color, right? Poor, lack of resources, lack of opportunity. So they don't know, they, they, they can't, they can't um, understand the concept of white privilege. Right, that they may be a little bit more privileged be because of the color of their skin, because that doesn't always apply, depending on where you come from. So, what would you guys say to somebody who who brought that up and say, "Hey, well, you know what? I don't believe in that because I've never had white privilege. You know, I'm I've been poor my whole life. I grew up here, grew up there, because that because that's also a real conversation, right? That's a conversation that we also need to have, and we need to realize that there's other, there's other people who got to go through that too. What what do you guys think about that? My privilege is such a a broad a broad thing, you know. It's because the thing is that what you think is white privilege versus what they think is white privilege may be a different thing. So they don't see it. As, so when we think of white privilege, we think of okay, put ourselves in a situation and there's a white person right next to us. Okay, cop is called. Who are they, they going to look at right away? The color person, obviously. So, if they let, so that's what we're thinking that when it comes to white privilege, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt, and they're not going to get harassed by the cops, or in a person, or by a person of power that's if they if they suspect like some foul play or or anything of that nature. They're gonna look at the person of color more than likely. But what? Wow. They, but if you look at the people from lower, like in those rural areas that are that are talking about, oh, I never had, I never had white privilege because I'm still poor or because I'm still disadvantaged and I'm still this. They're thinking about it in a different sense. They're not thinking about. They're thinking about it as a, um, how can you call it in a class type of way, right? They're thinking of it more like in a financial class type of way. 
we're thinking about it more as a, a social type of thing where we're how we're looked at in society. Um, I think there's a very different, it's a very, there's, there's multiple ways to look at white privilege. You know what I mean? I, uh, I want to touch on this because uh, like, this question is a really good question. Uh, he touched back based on, uh, you know, our experiences aren't the same as other people's experiences. Um, but with that being said, we could touch back on uh, being able to identify uh, what your internal biases are and what uh, what your privilege is, you know. And um, for people that come in rural, from rural areas that you know might not be as economically uh, uh, what's the word economically benefited from their situation, you know. Uh, I don't think it it separates the fact that they still have that privilege. And even if they're like, hey, like, I haven't experienced white privilege before because I'm poor. You know, the fact that you can say, like, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether or not I've received white privilege because I'm poor means you know that somewhere internally you have white privilege of some sort. So you have that idea of entitlement to this white privilege. So, you know, for me, even if someone were to say that or someone were to ask that, I feel like that situation, uh, it's, it's more of having the mindset and being able to identify uh, and helping them identify. Because, uh, you know, with people who aren't financially stable or people who aren't financially benefited, it's easier for a person uh, that isn't of color to receive, you know, like welfare or to receive things that are supposed to benefit people that aren't um, from those, you know, communities. And for people of color, it's not that easy. And you have these people that tell you like, hey, like, why don't you stop being lazy and get a job? Like, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do that? But you don't know their situations. Like some people grew up in group homes or like with foster, foster parents and foster situations where, you know, their parents left or their parents died or, uh, you know, they grew up here trying to trying to you know make it out and you know their parents got arrested and they were stuck here by themselves you know or they were forced into situations where they were part of a gang or part of something else and had criminal activity and can't get a job even though you know they've finally you know identified like hey like i need to make a change in my life to protect my family like it's it's not it's not easy and um, coming off as a person of color who has a criminal who has a criminal record, it's harder for you to get a job compared to a person who's not a person of color uh, that has a criminal record trying to get a job. Okay, that's that's um both of you guys have some really interesting points.
one of, I spoke to one of my friends prior to this about some of these topics. One thing that they brought to my attention was, um, okay, let me put it to you this way, Joe. This is what they said. Um, and I don't know how true this is, right? But it's interesting to think about. Let me put it to you this way. They said, if you had a black man and a white man, right? Same background, okay? But from different parts of the country, but same background. They had criminal records, but now they're trying to, they're trying to, uh, they had criminal records, they grew up poor, but now they're trying to change their life. Both of them put on a suit. Both of them have the same qualifications and they're both going for the same job. Typically, based off of statistics, what we've seen, the white man would be more favored. He'd look nicer in the suit than the black man, even, even if the black man was, you know, did everything that he could, straighten out his life, same, same as the other guy, but the white dude in the suit to the employer would look better. I don't know how true that is, but um, just it was a pretty interesting point. Um, now, to go back on that, you know, um, as myself, being of Latin descent and being an American, I'm pretty lucky that I've grown up in California and in the Bay Area because I haven't really experienced much racism or anything like that, at least that I'm not aware of. So maybe I'm naive to it or something, but I'm pretty lucky because I haven't. Me, me individually, I have not. I have so many different friends of different backgrounds, you know, skin complexions, you name it, right? Um, so I've been pretty blessed that way. Um, I haven't had to experience it myself. So I didn't start paying attention to this stuff till I, still, till I started getting a little bit older and um, noticed a few things around me, um, not with me, but with other people. Um, and so I can't really say that I've experienced that. But I've also heard some stories from my family um, that they've experienced things like that for speaking Spanish. Um, you know, so I guess what I'm trying to say is my experience has been one, even though I'm a person of color, has been one that I haven't had to deal with that. So I'm actually very lucky. So, but I guess because of my background and I hear other people talk about it, I can empathize with them a little bit more. Um, and uh, I guess I could connect with that. And I guess my, what I'm trying to say to the audience and to you guys, but mainly to the audience is, you may not be, be experiencing something, but when other people are talking about their experiences and how it makes them feel, just try to be a little bit more understanding about it. Because that's where our internal biases come in. Well, I've never, I've never dealt with that, so that can't be true. I don't believe in that. Maybe you haven't, but other people have. Yeah, you always hear that. It's like, no, that's not true. That doesn't happen. That's just, or quit being dramatic and things like that. You know, you hear. Uh, so, so I think that's, so I think because of that, we also need to be paying attention to, um, to white people that grow up in rural areas with no money or grew up in, 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 the, in the urban areas with us where they have no money. And what they're experiencing is also real. They may not experience the same thing as us, but in order for us to have that unity and compassion for one another and empathy, we need to be able to understand where they're coming from too. Okay, it might be a little bit different of a dynamic, but what they're telling us and what they're experiencing is just as real as us. And I think that would bring more people together if we did that. I agree. I think, um, I think we definitely need more empathy as a society, right? Especially right now. Um, this is a, I don't think there's enough empathy right now. I think there's, 
there's too many people that are dismissive or they they just I think um Denise said it best in the last episode. Or not the last episode, but in, in the moral dilemma episode. She said the biggest thing is that we don't have the ability to listen to other people's thoughts and we don't we now it's like if, if we disagree then we start to dislike each other. It's like like just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean that you need to um, release all this vitriol towards them. You know, I think I think we just lost that ability to understand and to be compassionate and to to empathize with people. I really think that society we have lost that. Um, yeah. With your situation, I didn't mean it to be like, hey, like they're not experience, experiencing shit that we experience, you know? Um, for me, I was touching based off of white privilege. And um, for experiences and experiences we, we can all relate to, like that brings together the community. And this is where I, I don't know if you guys know, but I do this side segment thing with this skincare brand that touches on systemic racism and stuff like that. But um, major reason why I wanted you on the show because I heard. <laughs> so. But we we were talking about community on our last episode, and um, for me, community is a really big thing, and being able to relate to each other and get to know each other is is really important in bringing that unity with everybody. Um, and uh, in terms of empathy, I, I don't think, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's not enough empathy in the world. I think the empathy is there. I just think people are deciding not to use it, you know? Yeah. And um, for, for situations like um, like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all these other things, you have these people that are very like unempathetic or un you know caring for the families and the people that have to go through these situations. Like you see people um, doing this these like George Floyd challenges and stuff where they're mimicking what happened in the situation that happened to him or you have these people counter protesting the black lives matter movement or protest and causing issues and fights you have police officers that go undercover to start riots and terrorizing places during these protests to blame it on the black lives matter movement then you have media that are showing these situations rather than showing the actual things that people are protesting for, you know? And I feel like they portray the community in a way that we are more scared of it than we are happy to, to be a part of it. And I feel like the, the being able to understand is to 
you know, sit down and have a conversation and we'll be able to do it. But if we can't even get to that point, like, what are we going to do? And it's crazy because you mentioned situations where they, they kind of doctor the pictures, they doctor the, uh, uh, the videos. And it's insane to me because they're, you have to be really ignorant in order to group the peaceful protesters with the rioters and the looters. If you can't separate them, then that, that speaks more about you. I'm going to say, like, that's, that's, I'm, I'm speaking from the heart on this. But like, if you can't speak, if you can't really differentiate them, that speaks volume. Because that's just you trying to seek problems into someone else fighting for their own rights. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you shouldn't, people uh, complain about, people complain about how, how people were protesting. And then I remember seeing videos or memes and all these posts on Facebook that were driving me absolutely nuts. Why can't you protest like Dr. Martin Luther King? It's like you should have seen the propaganda back in the '60s when he was doing it. They were saying that he was, he was causing all of these riots, and it's like, and you guys are saying all these things about how you should protest like him, and you guys should do this, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's like, listen to what you're saying, because he was pro- he was protesting peacefully. That was um, that was almost 50 years ago. That was 50 years ago, and he was still. He was still being he was still being attacked for that, and he eventually got killed because of those peaceful protests. Um, and that's what that's what I mean about you know being able to sit down and have those conversations. And the fact that we still can't do it it's been over four hundred years since this happened, since everything with the inequalities of people of color, like four hundred years, and we're still talking about the same conversation, you know. Like when are when are the counterparts gonna sit down with us and have that conversation? Because we're sitting here waiting for it. We're sitting here trying to force it to happen. And 400 years later, you're trying to expect me to be peaceful with the way that I'm protesting with everything that you guys done to my group of people or you know my community. And when I say my community or my group of people, I don't just mean, you know, black people. I mean everybody that's part of the community, you know, like all, all my people of color, all, all of my, you know, supporters, all of the people that are here for us, you know, like our community is unheard. And as Dr. Martin Luther King said, riots are the voice of the unheard, you know, and if people want to, you know, get mad about the way people are protesting you know how about you go through the same situation for that everybody else has for 400 years and come back and tell me that you know you shouldn't be protesting that way (laughs) or that or that there's nothing wrong with you guys are complaining about you guys are complaining about nothing blah 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 Mm -hmm. and the thing about the and, and that's the thing about the jacob blake situation is that after now Rumblings were already happening when George Floyd happened, okay? But sports had come back by the time the Jacob Blake stuff happened. And even before then, what started happening was 
yeah, celebrities use their platforms, but athletes were using their platforms too. So one of the things that started happening was in the NBA, they put Black Lives Matter on the, on the basketball court and on the jerseys, they had Breonna Taylor, say her name, Breonna Taylor, or they would put George Floyd or they would put Black Lives Matter, equality, et cetera, et cetera. The NFL is doing the same thing where they're saying it takes all of us. They're doing anti-racism stuff, but I'm looking at Joe right now because I know he'll have something to say about this because in some case, and I know Joe, and I know Johnny Elwood has something to say about this too. So the great thing is that they're using their platforms. I, I and I love that because they're celebrities, they have higher, they, they have power and they have recognition and they're using their platform to speak out against these, in, these inequalities and all these injustices. However, there are also some, there's also some platforms that are kind of, you, you kind of question whether it's legit. And I wanted to know what you guys think about that yourselves. Um, cool. For me, uh, you know, I always advocate for using your platform, obviously, like, I'm a model, and if we don't use our platforms to help influence people, then what the heck do we have the following that we have? Why do, why do we have the platforms that we have? You know? You're the show, right? So, so for me, it, it's cool. Like, it's, it's great that celebrities and athletes and actors and stuff, musicians, are using their platforms to go out there and make a difference, um, which is great from a personal level. Uh, in terms of, you know, businesses and uh, organizations, like, it's great that they're using the platform. Like, I don't have anything against it. I just personally feel certain ways about how they do it based off of their history and based off of the things that they've done. Like, like you said, like, the NFL is doing it now and the NBA is doing this. And... Um, for me, my question for you guys is, uh, how do you know how to separate it from business to the way they actually feel? Like, how do you know if it's genuine that the NBA, NFL, and all these communities are supporting these movements or are just doing it for business. What's on this one, Jojo? Because a lot of these communities uh, or a lot of these, you know, organizations are backed by the color community. Like Nike, a lot of the color community buys their shoes. Um, they have lines days overnight just waiting for some shoes. Um, you know, athletes, a lot of the athletes that, you know, are provided for these communities are people of color. So how do you know if it's genuine or if it's like... You mind if I take this one, Jojo? Or to go first? Um, how do you separate it? And how, like you asked, how do I separate? How do I feel? So I really, 
I really am grateful that I really like seeing when the Jacob Blake stuff happened. Watching professional teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, the San Francisco Giants, watching them boycott a game, go on the field and literally walk off in protest. I thought that was cool. I really did. I thought that was, and I do think that there's legitimacy when the leagues are trying to, trying to, um, the league is trying to do some efforts into, into getting some equality. However, if I were to be completely honest, the one league that I'm, I'm kind of iffy on is the NFL. And here's why. And I know, and, and Joe is going to hit on this in a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll introduce it, but Joe will break it down. Why is Colin Kaepernick not in the league? He was the one that kickstarted this. He was the one that warned about it. And they blackballed him. And he hasn't been back. They, they did some, some wishy-washy practices and, and uh, workouts, but nothing came of it. So as far as do I think that MLB is trying to do it? I do think that a lot of teams in the league are. I definitely believe the Giants are doing something about it. I believe the A's are doing something about it. The Dodgers, too. As much as I don't like the Dodgers, but I'll give them credit because they did something about the protests. And as far as that goes, and yeah, I do believe that there's some legitimacy there. I definitely think that a lot of the athletes like Richard Sherman and, and Emmanuel Acho or, you know, all these, all these uh, bigger name players, they're, they're definitely speaking right. I think that they're definitely doing their thing. And as far as the Kaepernick thing goes, I'm going to let Joe go on this one because I, I know that he'll break it down pretty well. Well, as far as a legitimacy of actually trying to help with the movement in this country and in business, um, I think I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not really sure which one it is, to be honest. Cause like you said, a lot of these businesses are supported by people of color, that community. Um, and it's kind of like, I hate to say it, but it's kind of like the cool thing to do right now, right? If you don't support, if you're not with the movement, then you're not cool and people aren't gonna support your business. And these companies realize that. And when there's a lot of money involved, right? Oh, you know what, let's make these commercials because the only people we're gonna lose is the real racist and prejudiced people and everybody else because they see that America's trying to make these changes is gonna continue to buy our stuff, whether we actually believe what we're promoting or not, right? Mm. So that's one way of looking at it. But I would really, I'm really hoping, hopefully I'm not naive for this, but I'm really hoping that they actually mean what they say. Um, how the NFL is uh, allowing all their players to put you know, names of, of victims on their helmets and stuff like that. The NBA jerseys, right? Black Lives Matter, Breonna Taylor, you know, um, all the names, all the names of the victims on their jerseys, you know, Black Lives Matter in the middle of the core, all that, right? MLB, same thing. I would really hope that they actually mean it. However, I think in order for them to actually mean what they're saying and what they're promoting, they need to also put their money where their mouth is, as far as giving money back to these communities to help, um, let's say, black entrepreneurs or or colored entrepreneurs in their communities to bring these communities economically up 
right? Give them some chance or put your money where your mouth is and go to legislation and try to pass some new laws, you know, where, where, where you're actually making, um, you know, people, people that are doing hate crimes or, or make the KKK a domestic terrorist group just, just as easy and as quick as they turned on the Black Panthers when the Black Panthers were trying to protect their communities and they made them a terrorist group right away, right away, right? Like put your money where your mouth is when it comes to what you're promoting on TV and then I will actually believe what you're doing. Until then, I could only hope what they're doing is legit, um, but I'm, I'm on the fence. Um, and then going to Colin Kaepernick, everybody, not just fans, but this is, this, is, this is where I do question the NFL the most, like Armando does. Soon as fans were getting mad, oh, why are you let, let, letting him kneel at the national anthem? He's disrespectful to our troops. He's disrespecting our flag, disrespecting our anthem, which is all a bunch of BS to take away from the actual narrative, right? They wanted to change the narrative um, because Colin Kaepernick started kneeling after he spoke to a Navy SEAL, a retired Navy SEAL veteran. And he asked for his advice because he did not want to disrespect the troops, the flag, or our national anthem. So he had, he had a conversation with them. This is very well-known information. I'm not telling anybody anything new. He spoke with a Navy SEAL, a veteran, a war veteran of our country who fought for, for our freedom. And the Navy SEAL told him, you know what? Because originally Colin Kaepernick was sitting on the bench during the national anthem, right? To protest. And when he spoke to the Navy SEAL, the Navy SEAL told him, you know what? It would be so much better, Colin, if you took a kneel. Because taking a, taking a knee is something that we do to show respect to a fallen soldier, to a brother in war. So taking a knee would be a way to, to protest that's not disrespectful. And then when he was doing that, everybody tried to change the narrative. And then the NFL told him, oh, you can't do that no more, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's when everybody started complaining, kicked him out. Then they hold these practices, supposedly. When was this, like a year or two ago? I don't remember. I think there was also one earlier this year. Don't call me on that. I think there was also one earlier this year. Okay, but so they held some practices, supposedly trying to give, give Colin Kaepernick his job back. And at first, I didn't know what to think, right? I'm being honest. I didn't know what to think. I was like, come on, Colin, you're kind of messing up here. They're giving you a chance. But now with all this coming into fruition, I'm like, ah, nah, that was a PR stunt for sure. For sure, by the NFL. And the reason why I think that is because they held practice, right, for Colin Kaepernick for, to try to get him back in the league, see what team would pick him up. Colin Kaepernick tested them, which everybody questioned at first as well as I. But now I'm like, nah, I think that was a good move by Colin because he wanted to see if the NFL was just trying to give in, right, for, again, propaganda, or if they were actually legitimate about how they felt. This was back then. And so Colin, what he did was move the practice. And right away that everybody's like, ah, you know what? I'm not interested. Look, here he is playing these games again. He just wanted to see how everybody would react. He was testing them. And then here we go. They started putting him down again. Only a couple teams showed up. That was that, right? Now we have what we have, what we have going on where the league again is allowing the, the players to wear, you know, uh, sport the victims' names on their helmets, Black Lives Matter on their helmets and that kind of stuff. And supposedly they're with the movement, but why have they not offered Colin Kaepernick a position again? If not as a player, as an analyst or something, because he started this back way back when everybody turned on him. 
they supposedly were going to let him back in the league. Have you, has anybody contacted him to apologize? Has anybody brought him in and sat down? I don't know. Maybe they have behind the scenes, but you know, unless we know about it, I don't buy with all due respect what the NFL is doing. I think it's a PR stunt propaganda. I agree. And it's kind of funny what, um, cause Colin should have a job right now. If not as a player, at least as an analyst. He should, he should definitely be involved in the league somehow. Somehow. And, and it's kind of crazy. It's kind of, I mentioned Richard Sherman, you know, like, Niner fans, we hated Richard Sherman years ago, right? And he didn't, and him and Colin Kaepernick didn't get along because of the rivalry with the Seahawks and the Niners, but Colin Kaepernick or Richard Sherman has questioned many times, why is he not in the league? He even said it this summer when uh, training camp started. He's like, they asked him what he thought about, I think it was kind of like, they asked him what he thought about the movement. He's like, I, I think it's cool, but I still wonder why Colin's not in the league. So. The only reason why I brought up this question, I wanted to see how you guys thought and what you guys' stance was, was on it. Um, for myself, uh, I'm kind of like Joe, kind of in the middle. Uh, uh, I might be leaning more towards, I think it's a business thing rather than them actually trying to make a change. For Major League Baseball, they've always kind of been more, you know, uh, I guess liberal in a sense, where it's like, you know, cool, whatever, you know, do what you want, it's fine. Um, but when it comes down to like, the NBA and the NFL, in in my opinion, um, I feel like because they have more colored athletes um, compared to any other sport, um, is why it's it's a little hard for me, because um, you'll have athletes speak out or say something that they believe and that and sometimes is right. And instead of, uh, you know, supporting those athletes and supporting those players that have those ideas and uh, mindsets, uh, they find them and they tell them like, hey, you can't talk like that. Like, here's a $25,000 fine. Like, don't do it again. And then uh, you get people obviously like Colin Kaepernick that don't, get to say what they want to say that don't get to speak their mind the way they want to speak their mind like with lebron james for a while he's never said anything now that everything's happening now like dude never stops talking <laughs> and look at cp3 every time he sits down for uh sits down for an interview or something like uh arrest the cops that killed brianna taylor and then leaves Every question, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. I was, I thought that was kind of cool, honestly. But yeah, he didn't say anything for the longest time. Um, the, the ones that actually spoke out for the longest time and were just like um, outspoken for the most part were the Warriors, Stephen Curry. Mm -hmm. He didn't hide the fact that he didn't like the, um, if he, like when Kaepernick started doing that, he, he was okay with it. Durant was okay with it. No. Okay. The, the other thing that makes me feel like it's more business is, you know, these teams, specific teams, are the ones that are boycotting the games, right? But the NBA, 
the NFL, the MLB, and all that stuff are still hosting these television hours for their games. But the teams will show up and walk off. So maybe it's not the organization that's trying to make a change. It's the teams that are making the change, and the organization's just, you know, doing that, that, stuff. That, That's Me. what I'm thinking myself. Because honestly, you guys bring up a good point because – I was hope I'm hoping, like I said, I'm hoping that it's legit. And I and but like Damn. I said, with the NFL for, for the NFL being the big example, I'm like, I'm iffy on it. I think it's like you guys are right. I think it's more of a it's definitely more of a PR stunt. But I will say this that I look at the Giants and I look at what uh Gabe Kapler did, and Gabe Kapler was very outspoken about the inequality. He has he has entertained questions about that in his press conferences. He has talked about it with all of his players, and they were all open to talking about it. And and, and I got to give him credit for that. He he deserves. Um, I I give him credit for that. I give and, and all the coaches that are that want to talk about it with their players. I, I I really do enjoy seeing that because other times they're like, no, it's not going to happen. But now it's a legit conversation. It's a good conversation, and I and I agree with Johnny. Yeah, I think it is the teams that I don't think it's the organizations as much as I think it's the teams. Yeah, I think uh, teams and personal players that are advocating for change. I think that that's what's really going on. And for me, the the organizations and the leagues, in my opinion, are doing it too. Um, I would hope that you know maybe they're just kind of transitioning slowly which is cool but you know they got all the resources they just need to use them um yeah uh, you know what else could be a possibility too is that the nba could also be a little phony as well but because they're so superstar driven with LeBron James, Giannis, Curry, and Durant, they could just be trying to cater to them while all this stuff is going on. That could be a possibility. Um, the, the one thing that, uh, that kind of gave me hope for the NFL was uh, the Redskins. They have to change their name. And mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they're changing their name pretty I, I don't know what they're changing it to but they still I think they're like no named right now or something right now, <laughs> right now it's Washington football team yeah and then the the Chiefs uh, when they did a display of unity their uh, their stadium like their their fans were booing yeah and that was the crazy thing, in my opinion, you know. But the fact that they still did it was uh, was what I thought was cool. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting seeing these different situations. Yeah. Um, touching on uh, the KC fans booing, Kansas City Chiefs booing. Um, I hate to say it, but look what kind of area they're in. They're in a rural white area. Right. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. They don't think in their eyes there is much maybe systemic racism or there isn't or there isn't racism 
Well, they should know. I mean, look where they're at, right? So they obviously know that there's racism, but maybe they don't feel like they, they are, they have that privilege that we talked about based off of where they live. Um, that area has been known to be pretty racist. Um, and then this brings me to my next point. This isn't something that we had talked about prior. We don't even have it on the run sheet, but uh, I wanted to bring it up since what we're talking about. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll go first. Um, what do you guys think about the term white guilt? Okay. Yeah. I'll go first. So <clears throat> I think that it does exist. Um, and I think it, it exists with people who are uh, obviously white people, Caucasian people that are good hearted and they actually want to help make change. So they feel guilty about what has happened to people of color, more specifically black Americans in the past. And they realize that this stuff is, is legit, right? So I feel like it does exist, but I don't like it because I don't want people to feel guilty for something they, they don't have anything to do with. Like if you're one of those good people, if you're an ally, so to speak, right? That's the term that we use. If you're an ally, you shouldn't feel guilty about it, but sh showing empathy and compassion and being an ally, being a friend, that's, that's all that matters, right? So if you have, if you know, if you're aware that you do have some of that privilege, as they say, right, um, in certain aspects of life, then you should use that to your advantage to help, to help your friends out who may not have it. But I don't like people to feel guilty about that. Just be a good person and be a friend and stand for change. And for lack of better term, not literally put your money where your mouth is, right? If you really feel that way, then show it with your actions. You don't have to feel guilty and feel terrible all the time. So I personally don't like it, but I know that it does exist because I've, I've seen it before. What do you guys think about that? Mondo, you feel it, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, man, I, I think, do I think that uh, some people should feel guilty? I mean, if they if they did a lot of stuff that was really questionable and they really they really did a whole bunch of harm or they were in a position of power and they they kind of kept the other person the person of color down yeah i believe they should be guilty but the truth is the people who feel white guilt are a lot of the people that really haven't done anything wrong if i'm going to be completely honest and, and truth be told the majority of the people that that don't feel white guilt are the ones that should feel the guilt. If I were to be completely honest, good point. People, the people that feel the guilt are the ones that didn't do anything wrong and are just taking taking the the responsibility of maybe a previous generation or maybe someone else that they 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 knew or just what happened in the past. But there's people out there that really are racist that really hold that disdain in their heart and have done some really fucked up shit that have they have no remorse over it. They really don't feel any guilt about it. They feel good about it. They probably wish that they were a little more ruthless or, so, or that's just really how it goes. So I think that as far as white guilt goes, the people that, that feel that way are the ones that realize that something's wrong and more than likely didn't do anything wrong. But the ones who don't feel that way are the ones that 
probably should have it, but they don't feel like they did anything wrong. Okay. So um, this is how I feel about white guilt. Uh, I think white guilt exists um, for many different reasons. Uh, one might be, you know, uh, somebody finally, you know, self-identified their uh, white privilege and was able to understand like why certain people don't get the same situations that they do. Um, I also think, you know, some has to do with like knowing their ancestral story and knowing how their family created their wealth based off of their past, you know, family members and stuff like that. And being able to identify those situations. So in a way, for me, white guilt is, is, is interesting. It's pretty cool, but it's pretty shitty depending on how you decide to embrace it or project it. Um, for people that recognize um, their privilege or the, the inequalities in the world that uh, have occurred either from them just being white or from their family members or from their own lives, you know, um, the way you present it, uh, the way you present it is really, really important. Because um, in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement and um, I guess people of color in general, um, I personally wouldn't want the pity of somebody. Um, I wouldn't want it to be like a pity party, you know? I don't want somebody to be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, you have to go through all this stuff. Like, like, oh, what do I do? How can I help you? You know, like, I want you, instead of being sorry, you know, do better. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's okay. Like, like, you guys have done what you've done. It happened. It's in the past. Now, moving forward, we need to make change. We need to, we need to make a difference. So do that, you know? rather than sitting here and giving me a pity party and talking about stuff that I already know. You know what I mean? And, and uh, I feel like personally, I would rather them, as Joe would say, put their money where their mouth is and make a change, make a difference, vote, do something, have those uncomfortable conversations, talk to people, you know what I mean? Or, you know, just put up a sign. Like, it's not even it's not even that hard. Like, you don't have to go out and, like, become the next Sean King, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Malcolm X, or any of those people. Like, you just go outside and put up a little paper sign on your wall that says Black Lives Matter or, you know, something along those lines. Sign those petitions. Sign those petitions. Promote them, you know? Like, <laughs> like at what Joe and I do on on uh, Facebook all the time. We're always promoting these articles. We're always signing these petitions. We're always educating ourselves. You know, we need to, you really need to indulge in all of these, these articles. You know, you can't just look at what the mainstream media is saying. 
you have to really do your homework on it. Yeah. I really so, feel that way. It's 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 a little weird when uh, you talk about white guilt. I think it's not I don't think it's a bad thing and I don't think it's you know a problem. I just think you know if you really feel that way, it's the way you present it. And granted, like, you know, some of those people are really genuine that are like, oh, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were going through stuff like that. What can I do to help? Instead of getting mad about those situations, you know, just educate them. And be like, hey, like, you know, you can go sign a petition. You can go here to educate yourself. Here are some resources, you know, talk about grassroots laws and all these other things like they can just, you know, do. Nice. Rather than having an attitude you know yeah because it's a move for change you got to have that mindset to to want change absolutely and i'll give a quick story i'll go i'll do a little sidebar so when the george floyd stuff happened and the the rioters started the rioting started i was post i noticed that some people that i was actually close with started posting a lot of misinformation and they they really didn't look at it as they really they were really uneducated on what was happening, and part of me was upset. I'm not gonna lie to you. Part of me was upset because they were dismissing it and they were saying, "Oh, well, they shouldn't be attacking the cops. Why are they attacking the cops?" And I'm like, I'm, I'm telling because here's the thing: they were people of color too, but they were really not paying attention to what was actually happening. So I I would explain to them calmly that because the one that was a final straw for me was that they posted a Martin Luther King picture. This is what protesting looks like. Now, and then the, they posted a picture of, I think what was happening over in Santa Monica with the broken windows and everything like that's not what, that's not protesting. Stop doing this protesting. And then she, and they were, they were posting all this misinformation. I was telling, and, and I remember I had to, I had to comment her on her on her post, and I had to send her a text. And I was like, "This is, you're you're really grossly mis misinformed. Please stop posting this stuff because you're missing what's actually happening. You're not looking at the fact that you're not looking at the fact that this guy got killed over like." What's the reason, like, what was the reason why George Floyd got killed? It was because of, he was allegedly, he had a, he had a fake, a fake $20 bill. It was a fraudulent check, I believe. Fra yeah, it was a fake $20 bill. They was thought it? it was a $20 bill, but so, it wasn't. I, I, I didn't, I didn't know you can get killed for having a monopoly money in your pocket. So <laughs> I had no idea. So, but it was real money at the end of the day. That's the crazy part. That's the crazy thing. And I was explaining to her what happened. She's like, but he had to his, he's like, maybe he had a history. I was like, you really don't understand what's happening right now, do you? The system is broken. It, the, like, and, and if you don't, if you can't see that, then let me break this down for you, okay? The, the fact that this guy got killed shouldn't have happened. The fact that he got killed with a knee in the back of his neck should let should have happened even less 
there was no reason for him to get killed. And this is not the only thing. It's like, tell me, and she, and the best part was she's she's like, oh, well, tell me other times this happened. Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. That's all just this year. What about, and if you want to think more locally, look at, look at uh, Oscar Grant. By yeah. the way, since you mentioned his name, they're reopening his case. There you go. Good. So, well, I believe the family, don't quote me on this. I don't remember the exact thing, but I believe the family filed another lawsuit or refiled the lawsuit and they're trying to open up the case again. So, something like that. I just got I just got the notification yesterday. There you go. That's good stuff to hear. And, and it was crazy for me because I'm friends with this person and I, and, and I consider them good friends and they were, they were so misinformed. I, I remember saying, this is a broken system. It's not meant, it's not meant to help minorities or people of color. And, like, and I remember they were, her and uh, her cousin, or I'm not sure what, they both double team on me. And they're like, what are you saying? Like, how can you say the system is broken? They arrested one of the, the officers or they arrested all three of the officers. And I was quick to remind, I was quick to correct them. And I said, no, they did. They just took, they detained him. But there have been no charges. They haven't, and they're not charging him for the right, because this was before they upgraded the charges into second degree manslaughter. So if you look at how Johnny L's reacting, that's exactly how I was reacting when I saw the, the comments. Because it was one of those things where it's like, if I wasn't, because I was so upset with what they were saying, it was like, understand what's going on. This is not a, this is a, not a system that's made for us. It's killing shit. Like you should not be like pay attention to what's actually happening with the cops. The fact that it happened is the problem. It should have never happened. It should have never got to that point. Even if he had a fake check, even if he had a fake twenty dollar bill, if he has a problem, you should have just arrested him, not killed him. Just because somebody does something wrong doesn't mean you can take their life. Like, what the hell? Hey, Imagine like a teenager selling drugs on the corner because that's the only way you can make a living. Find out later, oh, like, the reason why he was doing it was because he was homeless, living in a cardboard box in the middle of Section 8 housing. Like, it's going to be okay for you to justify that that's the reason why he should die? Like... <laughs> No. No, and I was, I was trying to tell us like, oh, it was maybe an accident. I was like, it's not an accident. They intended to kill him. You don't nine minutes that that long. <laughs> um, but going back to the mindset thing, um, talking about this topic, this is one of the reasons why one of my really close friends, one of my old really close friends, he used to babysit me when I was a kid. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Aren't okay. friends anymore. Um, we had a discussion, like a normal, like discussion about everything going on, and um, basically what's happening in the world. And we didn't quite come to agreement. But we didn't quite come to understanding either. Um, and I know you said you said earlier that our experiences aren't everyone else's experiences, but um, when it comes to mindset, there's also certain people you can't educate. There's certain people you can't teach. Um, 
as much as we want to, as much as we want to be open-minded, as much as we want to help other people, you know, like sometimes those people have a closed mind and don't want to open up their mind to yeah. the ideas and situations that you have. And that's kind of basically why we didn't get along after. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And I think, you know, relating that to fitness, there are some people in the gym that, you know, you talk to every now and then that will kind of have that mindset too, where they might have the wrong form and be like, oh, this bodybuilder told me to. Okay, well, you know, I was just letting you know. And they're like, okay, whatever, I'm going to do my thing, you know, and stuff like that. So I feel like in life, you know, there are some people you can't teach. And being able to identify those things and not getting caught up and stuck, angry or annoyed for your whole life because you can't teach this one person is something that you need to let go of. Yeah. That's the hard part because you because sometimes you might care about that person. You're like, man, like it's, we touched on this a little bit. Um, in past episodes but one of the things that has and we'll get more into this a little later but one of the things that has sucked about this um administration is that it's exposed division so we'll talk about that more a little later but there's because well, we got plenty to talk about later on ladies and gentlemen we'll get to that in a moment but and talking about this, man, you you had a, you also had a story of um, your dad in, in, in Alabama. You wanted to share with us, so can you can you can you tell us about that story, John Hill? Um, so growing up as a kid, my dad grew up in 1947. Uh, there was a time of segregation, and you know, uh, colored people had to eat here, drink water from here, go to the bathroom here. Um, they still had the green book where um, colored people that were traveling had to stay in certain hotels or certain places to make sure that they were safe. Uh, <clears throat> and what made me initially bring up that story during our run sheet was uh, talking about having that conversation about change. Uh, it's been through generation and generation and generation of families that, you know, we're still here as our generation fighting for this. So the future generation, our kids or the kids of the future don't have to go through the same situations that we have to go through. And um, for my personal experience, the best way to do, the best way to make change, to do something about it is to, you know, educate the people around you be involved in your community and vote and talk to your local legislators, legis legislation, and make some changes because that's the best way things are going to happen. And uh, Armando was telling me that we're going to, they're going to release this video or this podcast a week before voting. So y'all need to go vote and make a difference. Yes. <laughs> and comment that you voted below or something yeah. when you're done. Because <laughs> it's mad important. 
and we need to make a change. Voter, if you can. And another thing that I want to say, if you guys really, um, we have talked a little bit about this, but if you want, if you really want change, a lot of that also happens with Congress, not just the presidency. So those little, those little elections that they, they seem to be on the wayside because you don't know anybody, those are actually some of the more important ones. Because if you actually pay attention to those elections and you actually vote in those, you have a say in who represents you in Congress. And those are some, those are where a lot of the changes happen. So if you really want Obamacare to stay in place, if you really want, um, you really want some of the stimulus stuff, you want all of that to happen, it all starts with Congress. So that's the reason why the Senate is blocking everything is because nobody, there's not enough of a turnout and they're all in power. So that's enough of my sidebar there. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys want to talk, touch on the national anthem being racist, <laughs> having a history with that. Um, sure. Uh, Colin Kaepernick <laughs> got in trouble for taking a knee during the national anthem. And the national anthem in general is a racist song. Uh, the national anthem that everybody now is used to hearing doesn't have all the verses that it did back then when uh, it was created. <laughs> but the origin of the national anthem, such as the origin of policing, um, comes from a racist background. And uh, if you don't like it, you know, you can always vote to make a difference and talk to your representatives to make a change. It's not that hard. Just call a phone number real quick and be like, hey, like, you know, or go to the town hall meetings and be like, we need to make a change, you know, and let people hear you out. Use your right to vote because right, right now this is this election. We're, we have a democracy. We need to fight for that democracy. Yeah, I said that before here on this show. We're going to say it again. We're going to hear it. This is not the last time that you're going to hear it on this show. So, Judge, you got something to say, my man? Um, about the national anthem? No. Um, when I was a kid, you know, that was kind of part of like the routine. You get up, hold your hand over your heart, and you sing along to the national anthem. They even taught us it. But like Johnny L said, um, they left out all the racist verses. But the whole point of the national anthem was because of that. It was created under the under that. Uh, uh, what, what would I say? Uh, under those um, circumstances, I guess situation. Um, that's what it was created for. Uh, but they took all that stuff out. So when I was a kid, you know, we used to have to do it every day at school. I had no idea, right? It's like, oh, okay, cool. This is my country, USA, you know, sing national anthem. I didn't hear about this till I got older. Yeah. Um, and one thing that bothers me that I've heard before that goes along with the national anthem and about the whole Christopher Columbus thing, how people are trying to cancel <laughs> Christopher Columbus, right? Yes. Um, which, which I personally agree with because of the origins behind it. Um, I'm not saying cancel the national anthem. What I'm saying is maybe we can make something that's for all Americans, not just for one particular group. Mm -hmm. But what upsets me is people get, what upsets me 
is that people get angry when, when they want change because things were not created for them, for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And people get mad. Oh, you guys want to change everything. Like people were getting upset about taking down the Confederate statues in the South. Um, yeah, of course, because those people are traitors. <laughs> they, it was a civil war because they didn't want to let slavery go. And now there's fucking monuments of them in the South making or there was before they got taken down what and you know why they were put back up i didn't know this either i i heard it on another podcast and i read about it also after i heard about it i looked it up they were put up to remind black people what could happen if they get out of pocket basically like yeah well yeah we'll go back to this and and we'll handle you like we did before so it's like an intimidation tactic yeah it, it was it was it was used to scare people like oh yeah you guys better you know know what's up or we're gonna go back to this basically right like so why would we why would we have monuments of those people not only that but the south uh turned their backs on the u.s it's considered treason they're traitors because the north was like hey you know what we're we're, we're done with slavery we're trying to change stuff south's like nah bro we're not getting rid of our slaves what are you talking about so they're like we'll fight and that's what happened right that's what the civil war was about the Confederate States in the South, right? So, I mean, I don't, for me, the whole point of me mentioning that is it, it, I get upset when people, when people try to say that, oh, you're trying to change everything, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, some things do need to be changed, bro, because the way that they've been working, it's, it's the way that they've been running is not working. We need mm-hmm. to change some stuff. And the only reason they don't want it to change is because, again, it goes back to their bias, right? Their, their, their particular prejudice their experiences, how they see things, not realizing that it does not mean the same for you or for other people as it does for you. So some things need to change. It's like a method of superiority in a, in a way. Exactly. They, they, to say, hey, remember, we let over you guys at one point. And- yeah. And, and, you know, to Johnny L's point, that's how the national anthem was made. But they took out all the racist shit because they know other people ain't going to sing it. Why would we sing it if it's not for us? It wasn't for us. You know Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. That was the end of part one. We're going to continue the conversation on part two. Stay tuned, okay? Thank you and peace.